Hey, thanks for joining. You know, uh, as we've been talking about end times prophecy lately, uh, we do periodic prophecy updates where we try to take a look at what's going on out there, looking at current events through the lens of biblical truth or eternal truth. And so as we have been doing that, um, inevitably and variably and uh, awesomely, there are usually questions that come up uh, in regard to some of the things we talk about. What does the scripture say about this or this or the other thing in regard to prophecy? Well, one of those things that has come up a lot as of late uh, is the question of the mark of the beast, especially in the context of the vaccinations that are, um, uh, you know, uh, the COVID vaccines and that kind of thing. Uh, of course, it's natural that this would bring this question up because there is a global push for vaccination for everybody. And so there is oftentimes a connection made about this being the mark of the beast. And uh, I've mentioned before that I don't think it is, at least not in its current form, at this current time, under the current circumstances. And those three points, to me, are very important in terms of understanding whether or not the vaccination is the mark of the beast. Um, I'll just kind of put my cards on the table again, just clearly and bluntly, I don't think it is. And I think there are good reasons to, 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 to believe that and to hold that view. Um, and so that being said, um, let's go ahead and look at Revelation 13, because this is where we come, uh, where, where the idea of the mark of the beast comes to the fore. And so I'm going to go ahead and kind of in a somewhat brief way, take us through Revelation chapter 13. We're going through Revelation on Sunday mornings with our church, and someday when we get to Revelation 13, uh, we will take a little bit more time on it and break some of these things down. But for the sake of kind of a brief uh, looking at this particular question, let's go ahead and look at the chapter. Now, when it comes to the vaccination and the question of whether or not it's the mark of the beast, it is important for us to recognize that the mark of the beast is a very particular thing that serves a very particular purpose in the purposes and plans of Antichrist who will be in charge during the time when the mark of the beast is put out. Uh, and so um, with that said, let's look at what the chapter says. And I'm going to read the chapter. It's, you know, it's 18 verses. It's not super short. It's not terribly long either. So, you know, bear with me. If you've got your Bible ready, of course, I hope you always have it with you when we, when we come together. But let's uh, look at Revelation 13, starting in verse 1. Uh, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave its, uh, his power and his throne and great authority. Now, last time we, we looked at this passage here in Revelation 13. We're going to go further today. But the beast that rises up here is the one that we call Antichrist. He is, uh, he is this person that is empowered by Satan, given authority by Satan, <clears throat> somebody who, by the description here with these various beasts that are in view that we see in Daniel chapter 7, uh, uh, it helps us understand who these are. The beasts that are mentioned represent, uh, in, in order here, uh, we have uh, feet uh, like a leopard. Uh, I saw it was like a leopard or like the Greeks. Uh, like a bear, which like uh, the Medo-Persians, and then like the uh, a lion's mouth, like uh, Nebuchadnezzar or the, the Babylonians and that. These are the previous world empires that previously existed that are now either in some form represented in, or maybe this is intended to help us say that of all those kingdoms that had world domination on their minds, they never succeeded, but this one is going to succeed. Um, uh, the seven heads, the idea of complete authority and that sort of thing. The, the diadems representing the kings 
the ten kings uh, that ultimately come together representing the revived Roman Empire that is also in view. Um, and when we see the idea of the ten horns uh, and that kind of thing. And so uh, these, these, these images are, are explained elsewhere in Scripture. But just briefly, when we see this at the beginning of chapter 13, what's in view here again is the idea that this next kingdom is either sort of the perfecting of all of these previous attempts, it may contain elements of those kingdoms, but it is its own, and this is the last world-governing uh, um, you know, force or uh, entity prior to the coming of Christ to establish his kingdom. And this is what this person that has this authority from Satan does. Uh, the, the, what's left in the chapters describes what happens now that this one has been empowered by Satan. So, um, verse 3, uh, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the, In other words, uh, something happened where the beast was uh, shot, uh, a mortal wound to the head, shot or struck in some way that... that at least it seems as though, although it's described here as a mortal wound, the idea being that he died from it, whether he literally died and was resurrected or it just seemed that he died and resurrected, I, I, I'm willing to go as far as saying he actually died and came back, empowered by Satan, uh, to do so. It's a mock resurrection, essentially. It's a counterfeit resurrection. And the world marvels at him. Of course, they don't marvel at Christ and his resurrection, the Son of God coming into the world, dying for the sins of the world, and then rising the third day. The world is unimpressed with this, but with this guy and his mortal wound, this they are impressed with. And so they say, well, who's like the beast and who can fight against it? Okay. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months or three and a half years. That tells us something about the period of time in which this is happening. Uh, he is given this power to do this for three and a half years. Okay. This is presumably speaking of the second half of the tribulation period or what is called the Great Tribulation because, after all, as we're in chapter 13, we're in the midst of the Great Tribulation period as the book of Revelation is unfolding and describing it with the various judgments, plagues, and all these things that God, that God is bringing through uh, to, to demonstrate his wrath upon the earth. This leader is one who is standing up to take charge of all of the people of the earth who are in unbelief Ultimately, the world sees him as indefeatable, undefeatable, whatever the right word would be, non-defeatable. And, um, and, and so they are behind him. He has risen to power, in other words, and he is a man of tremendous influence. Paul talks about him in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, this man of sin, the son of perdition, uh, this one who demands to be worshipped above all that is called God and everything. And it's in that context that these things are all happening. Okay, so... Uh, verse 6, it opened its mouth again to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Now, that's a strange expression because the saints are not supposed to be able to be conquered. Well, the saints that have put their trust in Christ prior to the rapture are no longer here when this is happening, at least in my view. I know there are differing views on that. But who's in view then? Well, those who come to faith after the rapture, those who are still here and come to believe during the time of the Antichrist. Uh, the same expression is used in Daniel chapter 7, where he is given authority, this one is given authority to overcome the saints. 
Saints just means holy ones, ones that are set apart. And so we typically think of saint as speaking of those uh, who are in the New New Testament context, saved by faith, and that is true, and it is true here. However, these are saved after the tribulation starts, after the church is gone. Uh, And so... Uh, also, it was allowed to, again, to make war with the saints, verse 7, and overcome them or conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Uh, the beast, that is. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life uh, of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. And here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. This is a very difficult time that these believers are living in. So, we are hearing a lot about the elements that describe the period of time of the Great Tribulation period. Okay, Now, notice here as we continue... Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It is also empowered by the enemy, in other words. Verse 12, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it has allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived, okay? So this second person comes along. In chapter 17, he's called the false prophet. And he comes and he brings the world to worship Antichrist, something that he has already been demanding. Again, we read that earlier in chapter 13. Again, in 2 Thessalonians 2, we see that this is, uh, this is what he's about, This is because Satan is seeking worship from mankind, and he's getting it vicariously through his man, Antichrist, and with the aid of the false prophet directing people, whom Satan is also empowering the false prophet, and they are getting people to worship Antichrist, so much so that the false prophet actually gets the world to to erect an image to the Antichrist that they will will worship, okay? Much like Nebuchadnezzar, uh, much like some of the Caesars and the statues and those kinds of things, this is just like that kind of thing. Now, this image is a little bit different, though, because in verse 15, it was allowed to give uh, the second beast, the, uh, the false prophet, was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Okay? So, this image comes to life. I've said before, I don't think this is AI because people know AI. People are not amazed by AI anymore. We're impressed by it, but we're not shocked, surprised, misled by it. Like, we know it exists. And so, therefore, if that's all it is, there's nothing that great about it. But people are amazed at what's going on here as the false prophet brings, uh, breathes life into this beast. And so, people worship it. And they fall down and they, they you know, all this kind of thing. Um, and here we go. Verse 19. And it, the second beast, causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and its number, or his number, is 666. Or some of the early, uh, some, some manuscripts along the way say 616. 
but it is a number that signifies the beast. Um, and it is something that is required by the false prophet for all people to take. Okay, it is a mark of allegiance to the uh, to a being to a person that they're worshiping already, and they are buying into this idea that he is in charge of the world system, and they are going to buy and sell only if they have this mark. But there's a sense in which there's a willingness, there is a, an allegiance to the beast and all this kind of thing by doing this. Um, so, reading chapter thirteen again, that's kind of cursory. But reading chapter 13 and getting a sense of all that is going on when the time of the mark of the beast is, we can look at the world around us and see that virtually none of this other stuff is happening. There is no Antichrist on the scene. Now, people will say, but there's, you know, what about like the spirit of Antichrist? What about all the Antichrists that have gone out into the world? What about Jesus saying that they're going to be false Christs, you know, and saying, I'm he and all that kind of thing? Well, John does say in his first letter, uh, he talks about the idea that it's the last hour, chapter two, that there's many, the Antichrist is coming, and so now many Antichrists have come. For chapter four, you know, don't be as deceived by every spirit, but test the spirits. Why? Because after all, the spirit of Antichrist is out in the world. John would talk about these things in his first letter, chapters two and four. Um, so there is an Antichrist, and there's also many Antichrists, and there's a spirit of Antichrist. Now, what Paul describes, and what John describes when he talks about the Antichrist, what Revelation 13 is talking about, what other passages like in Daniel chapter 9 or in other places later in Daniel where this, this person is, is described, we're talking about somebody who is the Antichrist. Prior to his coming, there have been those that have sort of manifested the spirit of Antichrist, counter to Christ, counterfeit to Christ, uh, going out into the world and that. That's been going on for a long, long time. But that is distinct and different from the person that will come and fully manifest this idea and actually be empowered by Satan personally to rise up and lead the world with a partner by his side, the false prophet, involved in this whole process is, a, is an image that is built that people are going to bow down and worship and then they will take the mark. Uh, you know, it's in concert with that, it, whether or not it's in the same time part of the worship or whether it is a subsequent event that happens after the world is worshiping. The point is, all of these things are happening when the mark of the beast comes on the scene, when the mark of the beast is being distributed, when the mark of the beast is actually in play. These are important details. And so, you know, for example, when I say that the vaccine is not the mark of the beast, I am and I, I think I've said this before too, but if I haven't, I'll, I'll certainly say it now. I do think that it's possible that the mark of the beast could be distributed in a similar fashion as we see going on with the vaccination. You know, there could be a shot where a chip or something or something is put into the, the forehead or the hand, the right hand uh, that includes this number that, that identifies and there's something connected with the idea of buying and selling with it. Um, there is a push for vaccination but there's not a leader, a single leader that has risen up that is requiring every person on earth to get it. Uh, nobody is being killed for not taking the beast, the mark of the beast. Um, there is no false prophet on the scene that is causing the world to worship the beast. We can point to people and say, well, this he's got so much influence, this must be Antichrist. Or he's got so much influence, he must be the false prophet. Or here's the vaccination, that must be the mark of the beast because, you know, the patent has 666 in it and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
There is nothing ambiguous about the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. The people, uh, as, as uh, I had the pleasure of en- engaging with someone on, online about this uh, in the comments section, the, the fact is people of that time will be deceived into taking the mark of the beast. But there's really no ambiguity about what this thing is when it's on the scene. You can't look at what's going on today and be absolutely certain. Some people may feel they're certain about it, but it is, it is, we're having to sort of make it fit in order to say it's this. Why? Because all of these other elements connected with it are not happening right now. So when we talk about the mark of the beast, uh, I think it's important that we consider all that the scripture has to say here about it and about the person who's going to be uh, worshipped in connection with it and in regard to the false prophet who will be on the scene causing people to worship the Antichrist. Um, There are a lot of things going on when this comes into play, and virtually none of them are happening. There is the possibility that in some ambiguous way, maybe this vaccine can be seen as the mark. I'm saying I don't believe it is, and I think it's because everything else around it is not happening yet. Uh, This also happens in the middle of the uh, of the tribulation period. You know, sometime during the Great Tribulation, this is taking place, uh, or during the tribulation period. We, we you know, uh, there's interpretations on how these things unfold. But this is happening during the tribulation. This is not happening prior to the Antichrist coming on the scene. This is happening part and parcel with his being here. Well, the Antichrist is not on the scene yet, and so he might be alive. I think he's alive. I personally believe he's alive today, but he's not in authority. He's not somebody that everybody's falling behind right now. So without all of those other elements, we cannot say that something is the mark of the beast. And if we're unsure of it, then it's it's not. You know, the, the Bible is clear about what, what, you know, the description of what that looks like. And that being said, um, it's important for us, as I was starting to say, to... to uh, Pay attention to the details that surround this question, because if we don't, then we're prone to scare people and to um, and and to not necessarily be representing the biblical description accurately, and that's never a good thing. And so, we uh, the more specific we can under specifically we can understand these things, the better off we are. Um, because if we don't, then we can we can cause people to fear unnecessarily. Uh, we can cause them to be misled, you know, and we want to make sure we don't do that. We need to have solid biblical ground, not just a verse here and there, not just trying to put it together so that it lines up. We need to make sure the scripture dictates what things are and what they're not. And when we stand on that, we can have assurance that we're we're honoring the Lord by by letting him, you know, by taking his descriptions to heart by doing things and understanding things the way he's describing them. Um, so, you know, my hope, I'm gonna, I'll probably stop right there for today, but I, I do hope that, um, that this is helpful. But I hope on top of that, or maybe even more importantly than that, that in taking time to look at the scriptural de- description of these things, that will encourage you to dive into the word itself and not just sort of camp out on a verse or two, but to look at the overall context uh, what's in view when we talk about such things. Um, prophecy is uh, is a, a subject that's very intimidating for a lot of people because it seems like it's hard to understand. And there are some things that can certainly be. 
But by and large, the scripture is laid out in such a way for us to understand it. Um, you know, it may very well be that Daniel, um, in, in chapter 12, where he is told that knowledge will increase as people move to and fro around the earth, knowledge will increase. Um, I hold the view, and along with many, that um, what is in view there is not just technological growth and that kind of thing, or knowledge, AI, that kind of stuff, but really biblical knowledge will increase in the last days. Remember, Daniel was told certain things were to be sealed up until later. Well, John is told to write things down and make them known. And so here in Revelation, the idea is that we would understand and not necessarily see it as a mystery. It's there for us to understand. It's unveiled now so we can get it. And so let's dive into the details. Let's look at the overall scope of what's being described, both in the book of Revelation and the other passages that are pertinent in understanding any given point. And so, um, again, I hope that's helpful. I hope that um, gives some food for thought. Certainly, I hope it gives some sense of uh, impetus to go to the Word, to dig deeply into it, to understand it, to consider the consistent use of terms and idioms and ideas, uh, to build our picture from Scripture as, as, as comprehensively as we can of, uh, on these things. You know, who is the Antichrist? What does he do? What's he look like? Well, that, we have lots of passages that describe that. What's the mark of the beast? A lot of description goes into what it is and what's going on around it and that kind of thing. So um, so that's my encouragement. That's my two cents on this thing. Uh, I, I never claim to be the last word on it, but I will always claim that it is vitally important that we go to the scripture and allow it to become the basis for our full understanding of things like this. And the mark of the beast is one of those things that is causing people a lot of confusion, a lot of fear. And so why not go to the Word and let it fully explain to us what it is that this is about? So hopefully we've, we've done, gone a little ways toward doing that today. So if you have any thoughts or questions, by all means, please feel free to put them uh, to, to ask them uh, on our YouTube channel here. You can go to my website at parsonspad.com where you can watch these videos, and you can also email me or comment on those videos there. You can also subscribe to the audio version of this podcast as well. If you want to come out and uh, catch our uh, study in Revelation on Sunday mornings, you can come join us. You can learn about our church at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can also watch those podcasts as they're posted, usually on about Monday after the Sunday they're taught. So um, so thanks for watching, and thanks for checking these things out, and thanks for the engagement that is going on over these things. Uh, I think it's great for these discussions and back and forth to take place. It's iron sharpening iron, and I think it's super healthy and helpful. So, um, so by all means, I encourage you to continue, and I, I love to interact with you all as well. And, uh, and a lot of these things, eventually, if they become big enough to talk about, I, I like to maybe take an episode and, and unpack them a little bit. So thanks again for watching. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you and give you peace forever. And Father, we do pray that. We ask you to help us as we grow as students of your word to know you all the better for having spent time in it to know you, your character, your nature, your grace, your love, your justice and mercy, your righteousness, all of these things, also your purposes and your plans as you've made them known in your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, giving us this infallible revelation of yours that helps us make sense of the world in which we're living in and builds anticipation within us about the world to come. So we thank you, we praise you and bless you for these things and ask you to, to take our hand and lead us through into a deeper knowledge of you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.